Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Mike, thank you for, thank you for playing. It has been a joy over the last year or so to get to know Eric and Irene. And uh, this will actually be their last Sunday uh, with us. They are moving out of state. And uh, we tried to put like concrete in their shoes, but it just didn't work. And we, we, we knew from the very beginning that uh, that that was kind of uh, that was kind of the goal to kind of go back, um, kind of maybe go back a little bit um, to some of their roots. And um, but one of the things about Eric and Irene that I want to just publicly thank you for, and that is your hunger for truth. From the very beginning, I remember they you'd been you'd, you'd you'd been at Redwood for I think a few weeks, and then Sarah and I we had the privilege of having you into our home for dinner and. Uh, just all night, we just we just talked about apologetics, and we talked about just theology and just biblical truth. And I am so thankful for a couple in their young thirties. Amen. Right? We won't we won't name ages. Right? Um, Irene is forever twenty one. I've learned that. Okay, I, I get that. Ladies are always twenty one. But just uh, Eric, you're the old one. She's twenty one. Right? Uh, but just in their in their young thirties, with a with a hunger for truth and for 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 right. And, and it's, it's been refreshing, the questions over, over the year or so. And uh, we're going to miss you all. And uh, we're not going to just miss you for your talents, although you're very, you're talented, Eric. But we're going to just miss getting to see you and uh, just being able to, to break bread with you. I know that we'll have you back for the 50th anniversary and uh, we'll bring the, you know, the whole team back. And uh, so I'm excited about that. But uh, so we want you to know that we love you. And uh, we, uh, we do our very best to kind of live open-handedly and invest in families while we while we have them here at Redwood, and so uh, take take what you've learned here, take how you've grown here, and plant that in another church. You will find another church. I know sometimes people say, "Oh, we'll never find a place like Redwood." You will because you take a piece of us there, right? And uh, you make it um, you make it a place that is centered around Jesus. And so we love you. We're going to miss you, and um, and so. Uh, let them know um, how appreciative you have uh, been of them maybe after the service. Matthew chapter number six, we're going to continue in our series of the Sermon on the Mount. And we've been just going verse by verse. And now we're in like a little mini series within this larger sermon of Jesus called Kingdom Prayer. And uh, we've literally been going phrase by phrase uh, through this prayer. And uh, I have uh, so enjoyed it. Let me ask you a question before I give the title. How many of you are hungry? Raise your hand. How many of you are not hungry? Raise your hand. Hey, you must have had too much breakfast. I am always starving by this time because uh, I normally don't eat breakfast. However, this morning I had a little muffin because Sarah brought these like little gluten-free muffins home last night and I could not say no this morning with my coffee. It was so good. But I'm still hungry. But normally I'm like starving by this time. And so if you're not hungry, hopefully by the end of today you will be hungry just based on this title. And our title is Our Daily Bread our daily bread. Let's read the text, this prayer of Jesus, this kind of model prayer. Uh, again, I don't believe he taught this to be some ritualistic where we always say it. However, if you do say it, there's, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's just, there's more to it than just, uh, just the words. But let's read it. The words will be up on the screen. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's where we spent last week. Give us this day our daily bread 
And forgive us our debts as, our, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. When you think about the context in which Jesus would have been preaching this sermon, teaching this sermon, sharing these, these kingdom um, these kingdom truths that we went through those beatitudes. We spent months in the beatitudes. And you think of, you think of the context. It's very different. This first century group that Jesus would have been teaching to uh, is drastically different than how we live today. Give us our daily bread. I mean, we, we, we can't even kind of really ponder that. Now, there are millions and millions of people in the world who have to rely noticeably on daily bread to come. They may not know where their next meal is going to come from, and they literally do live day to day. But many other people, and I dare say most, if not all, of us here in this room do not live like that. Or at least it doesn't feel like we live like that. I mean, we can go to a number of grocery stores, and what are we going to see? We're going to see literally just the shelves stocked with food. For many of us, the problem is not that we have too little to eat. I think more so our problem is we tend to eat too much. How many come on in talking, right? You know what I'm talking about. And so what, what does it really mean? Uh, in a context where many people around the world are surrounded by great wealth and prosperity, that we pray as God's people, that God, would you give us our daily bread? This is still a very powerful reminder and a necessary prayer because even though we may not, maybe we go to the grocery store and they're on every corner and you can see kind of just, just food everywhere, we still are dependent upon God for our every need. Haven't we seen this even in the last couple of years with various upheavals, supply chain issues, COVID, inflation? We've actually seen, if we haven't with our own eyes, I know that I did, but we've actually seen shelves bare in the last couple of years. We've seen how quickly, even in our extremely wealthy country and world that we live in, that we could be missing what we think is a need. So how do we really rely upon God? The word bread in this text, it opens up the simplicity of this text, the commonness of this petition, and yet it suggests something that is so deep. The meaning of this text is so deep that it demands our careful study. I'm constantly overwhelmed as I study this prayer hour after hour, week after week, and now it's been a couple months. Give us this day our daily bread. May it first seem like it's so disconnected to us. When was the last time you prayed a prayer that said something like this? Lord, I plead with you to provide me a meal. I dare say probably the last prayer request that maybe we had along these lines would be, Lord, please prevent me from eating another dessert. Right? 
Lord, would you please help me finally lose weight? Those are often our prayers. Lord, help me to, to say no to seconds. I love Sunday meals in our home. Oftentimes we'll have people over and we always, we always make, the, we always make the, the good stuff. And so if you want to come over today, we're going to have the good stuff. And it's like, it's kind of like we kind of treat it like our Sabbath meal, like a special meal for us. And it's roast beef and things like that. I don't think that's actually not what we're going to have today. Um, but I love it. It's so hard not to just continue. Because, again, I don't normally eat on Sundays because I get super nervous. And you think, oh, Ryan, you're never nervous? Every Sunday. There's not a world. This Sunday that goes by where I'm not, like, inside. And so I don't eat. So we come home on Sunday, and I just want to devour whatever that meal is. And I want seconds. And so often our prayer is not, Lord, would you please provide a meal for me today? It's can you give me, Lord, the discipline to not eat two or three meals worth of food? I think you know what I'm talking about. It's so remote. This concept of daily bread. This is so detached from our reality. This is a type of prayer that maybe we should be or, uh, kind of preaching maybe in, in Bangladesh or Cambodia, but, but, but not in America. But that only illustrates our lack of understanding of its marvelous truth. Do you know what we have in America? Man, I, I, I did some research this week. Wow. I was telling Sarah about it. I think it was Monday evening or maybe Tuesday morning of just kind of the research we have grain in America that is absolutely beyond our power to conceive. Because of our technology, the richness of our soil, the sophistication of our machinery, we have more than we can even consume. Within the last several years, scientists have been working on corn that deposits back the, uh, the, um, the nitrogen into the soil. And it gives, and it's something like 13 million tons of fertilizer. It's saving us, which is made from natural gas, which ultimately then that saves energy. The U.S. crops, the, the result of kind of nearly perfect weather in much of our, of our country, the land and the technology, that's all beyond our imagination. Agriculture, food, and related industries contributed roughly 1.2 trillion to the U.S. GDP in 2021. Wow. The output of American farms contributed $164 million to this sum. So just to give you some idea of this, it's estimated that just the corn alone would fill two jumbo um, hopper trains. Two, the two million, excuse me. Two million jumbo hopper trains. And if you're wondering how long that is, it literally would stretch across America eight to ten times if you put them just the corn in our country. And we have enough machines now that, listen, if we literally, it would normally, um, to harvest Iowa, it would take human, if, if it was all human beings, it would take 31 million people or using 61 million horses on estimation, but we have enough machinery right now, if it was lined up wheel to wheel, we could do Iowa in one day. We have so much in our country. Technology has given us an incredible amount of productivity in terms of food. And Jesus says to you to pray, give us this day our daily bread. 
Seems a little remote, doesn't it? The context that we live in and the context in which Jesus was teaching that day. I mean, I went shopping the other day at Costco. Can I get a moment of silence there? Oh, I love Costco. I'm a Costco fan. Anyone not like Costco in here? A couple of you, yeah, Sarah, she doesn't even like the parking lot. I love the parking lot. I love it all. I just love Costco. I love how, like, you just kind of walk in, and within about maybe three or four rows, you smell the bakery. Oh, all that fresh bread. I mean, you know, you're trying to be gluten-free. You're trying to be on a diet. Help us. Why do I go to Costco? Right? And then you, go to, you just go to the bread aisle, and it's like, whoa, there's just bread everywhere. I mean, just like literally like three or four rows deep sometimes. And so then what I always do is I pull up my phone. On Depending on what day it gets delivered, it's going to have a color to know the freshness, and I always want the freshest of bread. And so I'm like, bread, 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 bread. It's everywhere. That's our context. That's our world in which we live. I was teasing um, Danielle as a friend in town. Sarah, welcome to the online stream. Everyone knows that you're here. Um, and we, they, were, they, they were having some fun yesterday going to dinner, and we were talking about a restaurant that they could finally go to, they could go to, and it was a half-pound burger, and that shocked you. You're like, how tall is it? That's the world we live in. But we're to give us this, our daily bread. Should maybe I just preach a sermon that says, hey, you've got to just imagine that you're starving and that you just go and you just say, Lord, help me with this starvation. Please give me some food. That's ridiculous, obviously. But does this say anything to us? I think it does. So you've got to understand the Definitely the context in which Jesus was speaking is very different than ours. But then the context of what Jesus has been saying. This is a context of, of prayer because prayer is one of the elements of his kingdom. In Matthew, the whole book represents Christ and presents him as king. All 28 chapters and chapters 5 through 7, they're the characteristics of his kingdom or the principles of his kingdom. And one of those principles is prayer. We've, we've been learning about this. Christ is presenting to us the proper way to pray. And it is a very simple prayer. We have all the necessary ingredients for prayer if you want to pray according to his standard. We've seen three requests so far throughout this series. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. All of those focused on God and his glory. And then we see three other requests focusing more on man and more on our need. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses, of our debts as we forgive others. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. So God is the supreme issue here. It's not until God is in the proper perspective that man can pray properly about his needs. So you start with God, and then you begin to pray about our needs. But when we get to the second part of our prayer, it doesn't simply put God aside. It's not that we are, that we're just kind of uh, just going to exalt the Father for the first one, and then it becomes all about us, and we just set him aside. The fact that God gives us our daily bread, the fact that God forgives us our debts and he leads us not into temptation is the expression of his power. It's the expression of his provision in his grace. So God is brought to earth, as it were, in the second part of this prayer. Now think about this. 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? In earth as it is in heaven. So how does God hallow his name? How does God bring his kingdom? How does God's will on earth be done? By giving us our daily bread, by forgiving us of our debts, and by leading us in our lives. In other words, it is as if the second half brings God into human form, so to speak. Brings God into the earth. Brings God into human existence so that these two are connected. It's not that you spend the first three buttering up God. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Just so then I can ask for what I want. It's not what this is. This isn't just, hey, let me just, let me give God some platitudes. Let me just say some really nice things about God. Let me just butter him up a little bit so then I can ask him for things. That's not what this is about. Saying, God, glorifying yourself in our daily provision. God, glorify yourself in our constant forgiveness. God, glorify yourself in leading and the directing of your spirit in my life. God, be on display in your world that your kingdom may come to earth. So this is not now setting aside God in any sense. It's not demanding certain things from him after you make him happy by telling him all the things that you believe about him. Give us this day our daily bread. It, it speaks to physical life. And, give us, and forgive us of our debts and forgive our debtors speaks of the mental life. And we're going to talk about that more next week. Lead us into, not into temptation. Deliver us from evil is the spiritual life. Bread is the physical life. Forgiveness frees our mind and anxiety and the pain of guilt and the burden of sin and leading us and directing us away from evil is the spiritual direction. By the way, bread takes care of the present. Forgiveness takes care of the past. And the help with the leading takes care of the future. So all of the dimensions of life are covered in this prayer. It's beautiful. It's amazing the marvel and the wonder of how God's infinite mind can reduce everything down to three simple statements. This entire prayer is set up to glorify God. Even when you stick food in your mouth, it's for God's glory. It's not only for your sustenance. What did Paul tell us in 1 Corinthians? Whether therefore you eat or drink and whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So you might ask, Ryan, how can eating food be to the glory of God? It's to the glory of God if you recognize where it came from, the source of your food. If you remember the capacity that you have to enjoy the flavor. Oh, I love food, don't you? If you're not hungry by the time we're done, I don't know what's wrong with you. I love food. And you know what I'm so thankful for? I'm getting way ahead of myself, but that's okay. I'm so glad that God made food taste good. I'm telling you, if, you're, if, if you've been eating and your food doesn't taste good, I don't know, you need a new chef or something. I love food. I love the taste of food. And you know what? None of us saw it coming. None of us saw some of these foods like, oh, that's actually going to taste good. Now, some of them are still nasty, okay? <laughs> like Danielle had a pizza last night with mushrooms all over it. You pray for her, okay? But I love food. 
I love the taste of, if you like mushrooms, please don't be offended. I don't, and that's okay. And it's okay that you like them. But that you acknowledge, God, you made this enjoyable. You gave me taste buds that can enjoy this. Listen, this didn't just happen billions and billions of years ago and just all of a sudden we have these taste buds that can taste food. No, this is, this is a God thing. You glorify God, you're putting that food in your mouth. God, this came from you. God, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to enjoy this food if you're thankful to the one who provided the nourishment. Every single thing is for the glory of God, everything. David Myers says in his book, The Human Puzzle, listen to this. Some petitionary prayers seem not only to lack faith in the inherent goodness of God, but also to elevate humankind to a position of control over God. God, in the scriptures, reminds us is omniscient, omnipotent, the sovereign ruler of the universe. For Christians to pray as if God were a puppet whose strings they yank with their prayers seems not only potentially superstitious, but blasphemous as well. When prayer is sold as a device for eliciting health, success, and other favors from a celestial vending machine, we may wonder what is really being merchandised. Is it faith or is it faith's counterfeit, a glib caricature of true Christianity? I don't know about you, but sometimes I fit into that quote where God's just a big old vending machine sometimes. Elton Trueblood in The Predicament of Modern Man said this, in some congregations, the gospel has been diminished to the mere art of self-fulfillment. Egocentricity is all that is left. And there's so much of this today in Christianity where prayer is simply kind of this ego-centered where I can just get something from God. And I added the first part of this prayer, the first three requests, and I connected it to these last three because I think sometimes in our Christianity, what we think is, well, if I'll just pay God the, the, you know, the, the accolades that he is due, well, then I'll get what I want. And no, he's not a vending machine. These petitions here, though direct at our essential needs, are ways in which God's glory comes to earth and he makes himself manifest through these. I love J.I. Packer and what he says here. The prayer of a Christian is not an attempt to force God's hand, but it is a humble acknowledgement of helplessness and dependence. I like that. So with this right perspective Let's look at this request. You say, Ryan, that was a really, really long introduction. I know that I'm trying to make you really hungry by preaching a long time, okay? So let's start off, first of all, with the substance. The substance here of this prayer. Obviously, it is bread. But it's not just talking about bread in terms of a loaf of bread. Give us this day our daily bread is talking about the physical and it amazes me that the God who is beyond our time, the God that is, is, is beyond our capacity of understanding, our universe, our, in eternity, the one who holds the worlds and everything in his hand, he cares about Ryan Johnson's physical needs. It's amazing to me. The same God that is con- concerned with the fact that I have meat to eat, clothes to wear, and a place to rest. It's amazing that he cares. We see this, uh, this verse all over the kind of uh, physical elements of life, the necessities, 
but not necessarily the luxuries of life. I do not think that we can go to this type of prayer here and say that, God, I want you to give me the, the luxuries of this life. No, 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 this is just simply our daily bread. Now, God often will give us luxuries. I think we here in America, we kind of live in luxury. We really do. We, we, are, we are blessed beyond measure. But I don't think we can go to this text and say, hey, God, hey, I want you to give me this and, just, and, and the luxuries. No, this is just the basis of necessities. And when we're blessed with the others, we ought to be thankful for it. Because it's the grace and the kindness of God that we would live in luxuries. Proverbs chapter 30, verse number 8 says, Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of the Lord. There's a lot of wisdom there. That there's just kind of, kind of this balance here. God, give me, give, give me just enough here. I believe that's the heart of this. It's not self-seeking. Give me more and more and more and more and more. It's not saying... It's saying, Lord, give me what I need. But you say, Ryan, in our life, we don't even really have need. I get that. Remember the, the contexts? Drastically different. And so, why do I need to pray this? Do I need to pray this? Yes. Because this petition for us, while not a desperate cry of one who's starving, this prayer is saying, God, I want to let you know that I realize this is from you. Do you see it? That if we will begin to acknowledge that God even provides the daily necessities and food of your life, can you not see the goodness of God all around you? Moment by moment, day by day. It is always around you. However, if we ever think that the things, and we are constantly focused on those things that we do not have, it reverses the course of our thinking. Now we begin to think of, God, you're not good because you haven't, and you have the litany of things that we feel are needs. But when we see him in everything, we see him as the source of everything, a, a, a precious thing it is to know that our God cares about our physical needs. The bread is simply uh, the, the staple of life. That's what Jesus is teaching here. Although we may not always be on the edge of hunger, we are always to be thankful for all of it that comes from him. So I've already alluded to this, and this is the source. Who's the, who's the source of this bread? Well, if we're not careful, we tend to think that we provide everything for ourselves. I make a living. I earn wages. I buy my bread. You know what I'm talking about. Like, listen, look how many hours I work this week. You know, I deserve this steak dinner. And, 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 and there's, some, there's some truth to that of, of where God allows us to enjoy uh, the benefits of our hard work. But if we're not careful, we begin to think that we're the source of all this. For example, when was the last time we said to the Lord, Lord, for my daily bread, I thank you. For the fact that I have food to eat and clothes to wear and shelter over my head, I thank you. 
that I have a bed to rest in, that I have enough physical strength to know you, to perceive you, to live life in a way that is rich and meaningful. When's the last time we said something like that? This is what he's after. God's all about the little things. God is involved. God knows when a sparrow hops. I was talking to one of our teenagers this morning right outside here, and the birds were just, I love spring, the birds were just going crazy out there. And I said, did you know to this teenager, I said, did you know that God literally knows every single hop? And if you ever watch a little bird, they're constantly hopping. (laughs) Times millions and millions and millions. I don't know how many birds there are. He knows the number of hairs on your head. And God cares for you. He cares for you. That's what this prayer is about. None of us, to my, to my knowledge, none of us are begging God for a meal later today. But you can thank him for that daily bread. That he's the source. He's the source of it. We live in such an interesting day that's filled with all kinds of paranoia. Are we okay? You, do, you following me? You good? You getting hungry yet? People in our world, they're so fearful that they're going to lose their existence because of pollution of the resources. Now listen to me. I am not in any way saying we ought to just trash our earth. We ought to be good stewards of it. We ought to take care of it. But some are they're so afraid of nuclear reactors messing up our environment. We're afraid of polluting our sea and rivers and lakes with, with sewage. We're afraid of overcrowded population. We're afraid of smog and air pollution. We're afraid of breaking up the ozone We're afraid of polluting space with all of the garbage, the metal that's floating around. We're afraid of polluting our bodies with chemicals. Again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be aware of this. But mankind, apart from God, thinks that he's always on the brink of this devastating his environment to the point where he has no resources. And mankind, apart from Christ, they don't ever make the jump to the God that is sustaining everything. They don't ever, their fear is always comes back to themselves and I've got to save everything rather than God, thank you for preserving this place. Did you know that there's going to come a day? I mean, the book of Revelation tells us all about it where God is indeed going to turn the lights out on this universe. When God is going to turn rivers into blood, when the whole world is going to go crazy, when the seas are going to swallow up the ships and all the fish that's in it, literally devastation is indeed going to sweep the world. The sun is going to go black. The moon is going to not give off its light. And all the resources are gone. And in Revelation 18, the whole economic system is going to completely collapse. Music is going to cease because there's going to be nothing to sing about or nothing to perform music with. All of it's not going to matter. And man knows the potential of that. But man never makes the jump to the fact that if if it were not for that God upholds all things, creation tells us, by the word of his power, everything would fall apart if he didn't keep it together. So they they don't make that jump. You ought to. You ought to make that jump. Should we trash the earth? Absolutely not. Should we just wreck our bodies with it? No, 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 no but don't become God. Submit and say, God, you are the source of this body. You are the source of this mind. You are the source of everything. God, thank you for this. Let me be a good steward of this. Let me take care of 
this well for your honor and for your glory. Did you know that scientists realize that when all their calculations are done and all their examinations are done, there is an unknown element in the universe that's kind of making it all hang together, consistent. And they don't necessarily have a name for it. I do. And I'm not smarter. I'm not even in any way saying that. It's God. Acknowledge it. That's what we're talking about here. Everything we have is from God. It is God who brings the rain to make things grow. It is God who cycles the seasons. It is God who produces the minerals in the soil to make earth fertile. It is God who gives us the natural resources to prepare propel ourselves around. It is God who provides us the animals from which we make our clothing and the synthetics that come from petroleum, which once came from animals. It is God who made it all. And we learned this in the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 29. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all of the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth and of every fowl of the air and everything that creepeth upon the earth whereon there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Please hear me. God could have designed that we all just eat mud. Mud for breakfast. Mud for lunch, mud for dinner, but he didn't. He's so kind to give a steak. How about that? No, 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 no. Maybe there's non-steak lovers here. Asparagus? How? Oh, man, I'm a huge asparagus fan. If you, you grill that right, mmm. Green beans, thank you, Mrs. Dalton, for making me like green beans 13 years ago. She's got good green beans. I grew up on the canned stuff. Now, she taught me that there's real green beans out there. It could have been just mud. I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm being a little kind of joking a little bit this morning, but I hope you leave here this morning thanking him that you can taste good food this afternoon. He's good. He's good. He's the creator of all of it, just the variety. I mean, look around this room. There aren't two of us the same, and I say praise God to that. A lot of variety. Go outside in the world of color, especially during this time of year. It's unending. And why would God not do the same in the variety in food? Good for food. Good for man's physical life. God is a God who put into his world such an incalculable world of wonder and variety that we could enjoy. So how grateful should we be of this loving provision? It starts with the rain and it keeps going on down. I, I'm going to just jump way ahead here, but listen, God's system is awesome. Who he feeds, then feeds, then feeds, then feeds, then feeds, and says, so, oh, then I can eat. He stops the rain, it goes away. Just read the time of Elijah where it didn't rain for days, years, <laughs> days, for years. You ladies have been going through that study. 
and God is so kind to give us rain. Let me quickly hit two more. I promise that word quickly is indeed true. The inquirers, the inquirers. Who are the ones that are seeking this bread? Us. Let me just for a moment stress that. Give us. It's not give me my daily bread because the church of Christ is not isolated. The use of this plural precludes all the selfishness of our prayers. I really believe that this prayer is kind of give us, embodies all of the Christian community. It's saying in effect that I could never have abundance while my brother had less than enough, less than even their needs being met. And I love the giving nature of our church. Let's keep it up, Redwood, to give to those that are in great need. And finally, I told you it'd be quick. Number four, the timing, the timing. Give us how often, class? Daily. This Day. The exact meaning of this concept is simply bread for the coming day. In its simplicity, it is the expression that says one day at a time. Father, I accept your provision. It is literally hinting at the contentment that comes with today. So often we're worrying about something that might happen tomorrow and often it doesn't end up happening. Christianity is filled with it. Churches is filled with it. Now, does that mean that we don't plan? Absolutely, that's not what I'm saying. We ought to be like the ant in Proverbs that prepares for the future. Do we, do we not save? Do we not have a savings? No, but we're not consumed with worrying about What's going to happen 10 years from now? Do we plan? Yes, but we live in today. Is there a fine balance? Sure there is. Do I fully know it? I don't. But it's walking with the Lord. Give me, Lord, this, this gratitude for today. It's so instructive that Jesus tells us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. If we're honest, we'd rather say, you know, can you give, can you give it to me for a whole year? Lord, I just kind of give me, give me this yearly bread. But that's not how Jesus wants us to live. He wants us to reminded, be reminded that his mercies are new every morning. He wants us to know that. So every morning we need to anticipate. We also need to pray that God would give us these mercies and grace. This is how the Israelites had to live in the wilderness. He said, every day, every day I'm going to give it to you. Ah, don't, don't scheme the system. You start, you know, I'm, I'm going to hoard this. For, no, he says, don't, don't do that. Remain reliant upon me. And we've got a good, good God. You need to trust me. Wake up tomorrow and I'll provide your needs. That's what this area of this prayer is. It reminds us of that. And Jesus is urging us to keep praying that. And to see that God will indeed give us what we need. R.C. Sproul tells this story in his book, The Prayer of the Lord. After the Korean War ended, South Korea was left with a large number of children who had been orphaned by the, wall, by the war. We've seen the same thing in the Vietnam conflict, Bosnia, and other places. In the case of Korea, relief agencies came in to deal with all the problems that arose in connection with having so many orphan children. One of the people involved in this relief effort told me, told Sproul, about a problem they encountered with the children who were in the orphanages. Even though the children had three Meals a day provided for them. They were restless and anxious at night and had difficulty sleeping. As they talked to the children, they soon discovered 
that the children had great anxiety about whether they would have food the next day. To help resolving this problem, Sproul says, the relief workers in one particular orphanage decided that each night when the child was put to bed, the nurses would place a single piece of bread in each child's hand. The bread wasn't intended to be eaten. It was simply intended to be held by the children as they went to sleep. It was a security blanket for them, reminding them that there would be a provision for their daily needs. Sure enough, the bread calmed the children's anxieties and helped them sleep. And Sproul said this, Likewise, we take comfort in knowing that our physical needs are met, that we have food or bread for our needs. This prayer really does teach us that in God, it's a spirit of humble dependence, asking him to provide what we need and to sustain us from day to day. See, if we find that God's hand is kind of invisible in our life where we don't really see him moving, can I challenge you to not just pray these broad prayers? Because then you're just going to see God in broad ways but pray specifically in your life and I promise you you'll begin to see God's hand everywhere meeting this need meeting this need now often the definition of what our needs are and often our wants for us when we pray in general we're going to see God in general but pray specifically And I think you're going to see a God that provides your daily bread. And it's going to take your thinking, and you're going to begin to see him everywhere. Church family, we've got a lot to be thankful for. Let's start right now by thanking him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Your father's invited you. to ask him for daily bread. He's invited you into a relationship of acknowledgement of him and amazement of his provision. And you'll find that even in a context that is so removed from the context Jesus was speaking into that day that you indeed can make this a part of your prayer. Are you going to ask specifically for bread? No, but it's the principle. God, I'm acknowledging that without you, I can't even take a breath tomorrow, let alone this afternoon. That God, as I get ready to cut into this piece of chicken, this lunch, that God, I realize that, yeah, I, you, I might have worked for this to pay for it, but God, you gave me the strength to be able to work so that I could have the means necessary to be able to pay for it. God, beyond that, you provided the rain so that there would be grain so that the chickens could eat. 
so they could be well nourished so that I can now enjoy this meal. God, you did it all for me. It's just an image bearer of you. So life isn't as bland as just eating mud. Father, I thank you for providing for us, my Father. Thank you for providing for our needs. Thank you ultimately for giving us Jesus to redeem us. And Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts. Lord, I pray there would be a a gratitude amongst us today because of these simple words, give us this day our daily bread. Father, may your spirit continue to work. May we think through this. May we ponder how it impacts our lives. May we talk of it. And Lord, may it truly alter how we're living our everyday life. And Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church family, thank you.